Hey, everybody. Welcome to Social Beauty Makers, a weekly podcast featuring fast-paced 15-minute conversations with industry masterminds, plus a weekly bonus episode on trends in tech and more for salons. Before I get started, if you like the podcast, I hope you will leave a rating and or review and maybe even hit the subscribe button. All of those things help others to find us. And for early access to new episodes and more, sign up for my free weekly e-newsletter over at socialbeautymakers.com. I am Gordon Miller. Thanks for tuning in. Let me say, I am most excited and honored to welcome today's guest, a salon owner, a brand advocate, educator, artist, person of influence. That's, the, that's my new way of saying influencers. Person of influence and renowned curl specialist, Evan Joseph. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Gordon. Thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. You made me sound amazing. Before we get started, um, you you work with some brands. And so you are a brand advocate for Authentic Beauty Concepts? Yes. So I'm a brand advocate for Authentic Beauty Concept. Um, and I'm also on the It Takes a Pro team for Salon Centric. I was about to say. Uh, yeah. Hashtag It Takes a Pro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so those are my two uh, main focuses for this year. But hopefully I also do my own independent education. Um, and I think we're starting to see... Uh, the industry shift a little bit. So you might see me do some some other little things here and there as well. Ooh, I'm, ex I'm excited to see what the shifts are and see kind of <laughs> how, what, how you go along with those. So, so coming into this new year and kind of my new life with this thing I call social beauty makers, I've been really kind of focused on kind of a, a an attitude around less is more. I really had a lot of passion for it. It started kind of probably mid 2022. And I just was like, ah, it feels like we're at this pivot point. Maybe it was because of pandemic, but small is the new big. But then I'm like, you're going to kind of have to do small in a big way to be successful. And um, and that led me as we were getting ready to talk to, to the idea of niches, because I think niches are so powerful. And you kind of lived career wise in somewhat of a niched out space. Yeah. Um, what do we say? Do we say niche or do we say niche? I'm never sure. I, we can, depending on where you're from in the world, it, yeah. I say niche and you, you say, say niche. niche. So and, well, you guys can let us know what it is. If it's niche, <laughs> right? um, so, yeah. So I, I believe in simplicity too, Gordon, and I always have. Um, and to keep a, a long story short, uh, gosh, about 14 years ago, I started doing curly hair. And I was doing all hair at the time. And I that's, I guess, when I started to fall into my niche. So yeah, I think that simplicity is always better. I'm obsessed with simplicity. Um, and I think that's why I was so drawn to curly hair. But I'm never trying to look for the most complicated way to do something. I'm always looking for the simplest way to do something. Uh, and I think that my students and my classes, uh, my employees, and even my customers really appreciate that. Because there's so many people inundating people with so much information, especially mm -hmm. in the field right now. Coming through pandemic, I, I feel like specialization, perhaps for some, has never been more important. Because I think for an awful lot of consumers, they're 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 feeling it, right? They're they're just feeling the power of going to see somebody who truly is an expert in a category, which I I think it's hard to claim to be an expert in everything. You know, you use the word expert. I think the most important thing, um, especially for hairstylists, when they're, you know, there's this pressure to fall into your niche now, right? Um, is one thing I've never done is call myself an expert because I really do believe that um, to fall into your niche, um, you literally fall into it. It's not something that you typically seek out, right? 
So yeah, in the beginning of a career, I think it's important to be general. If I hadn't have been so general and so accepting of taking all these different classes, then what if I ever went to that first curl class and what if I ever uh, learned that I was good at doing curly hair or that people wanted me to do their curly hair? And, you know, the next step in that was that my um, my clients decided that I was good at doing curly hair, not me. <laughs> it was just something on a long roster of services that I offered back then. I mean, it was a different time. It was, gosh, I think it was actually almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, because I get a lot of messages on Instagram from young stylists and they really, they want me to provide a blueprint for them to become me or become... to be in this niche. And sometimes that's hard for me because it happened to me. I didn't happen to it. Right. I think that's kind of how life more often works than not. The one thing I knew is when I started doing curly hair, two things were happening. I was feeling really good about it and I was feeling passionate and joyful and it made me want to go to work every day. But the other thing is, is the people who I was doing it to or with, we're also getting really excited and asking me to do it more. Um, so that's how I really knew that I was on to something there, I guess. I mean, at, at like 22 years old, um, I guess 22 year olds today are more advanced than I was. But, um, you know, I just knew it felt good and I wanted to do it more. <laughs> just from an economic perspective, you know, because the biggest challenge in hairdressing is is just making it through your career long enough to have a career, you know, people leave because they're not making enough money. And so over time, you know, um, and, and I would argue that a whole lot has not changed and it, it takes a few years to get going. I mean, you know, there's unicorns, but it still takes a few years for most people to get going. As far as someone who's at now a 20 year career, do you feel that being in a niche gave you an advantage perhaps over other people economically? Do you feel like what came back to you financially that being in that, I'll say niche to be respectful to you in that yeah. niche um, was, was a value. So, yeah, it definitely helps you economically to know who you are um, because it allows you to get if when you simplify things. We we're talking about simplicity earlier. When you simplify things, when you you know, my service menu is three services, a retouch, a custom color, which would be like highlights or color correction like that or a haircut and style. So when you're only offering three services like that, mm-hmm. you, get, you get really good at it. You simplify it. Um, and that's that's how you can become the best because you're not like mediocre at, you know, 500 things. And then you mentioned that you do those three services, but all those services are on curly hair? Yes. So they're all specific to curly hair. Um, you know, what I do isn't performative. It's not something I do online and I'm in the salon doing mm-hmm. something else. And that goes for my team too. Um, we are all working exclusively on wash and wear curly hair, dry cuts. And then we use uh, the color techniques that I've developed over the years, you know, based off of other things I've learned, but me simplifying things and and making it so a curly hair person isn't sitting in the salon. I mean, they're still there a while sometimes if we have a lot to do, but that's because they need to be. Once they become a regular guest, we're getting these services that were taking five and six hours in other salons down to, you know, two and a half, three hours, which is great for a curly hair person. Now that's denser curly hair. There's different types of curls, obviously, but. Interesting. Now, again, because you've been around for 20 years now, 
I, I want to see what your take is on this because I feel like again we're we're in an era of specialization that's unlike anything I've seen in the past. Meaning, I think consumers are looking for it, but within the industry, you know, we always talked about you know cutters and colorists, and the rest kind of got left off on the side. That was the bigger conversation. Now I know there was specialization beyond that, but that was that was the conversation. Are you a colorist or are you a cutter or are you a generalist? And it feels like today there's a lot of different categories in specialization. And as you look back kind of over your career, did that feel like a good thing to you? I never, I, the whole like separation of cutting and coloring, mm -hmm. I never liked that. Mm -hmm. um, now, is it easier? Yes, we have an easier day per se, probably. Um, but as an artist, I would have died to set my color over to someone else to cut or set my haircut over to someone else's color. Um, so that kind of specialization, specialization was always kind of uh, scary to me um, because, because I do have more of that artist mind and that emotional attachment to my work. Now, I think for people who are all business and those people belong in our industry as well, right? Um, I think that's great for them. They can come in every day. They know exactly what they need to do. Um, and if they struggle in one area or the other, then, the, you know, they don't have to be faced with that. But I always kind of looked at it as a big, they call me old school, but I saw it as a big picture type of thing. When going back to to, to niche, um, the, and again, maybe in an old school way, but I, I think it's still true to today in the, in an extreme version of what we're talking about. Some of the very best cutters I know who are only cutters work also with some of the very best colorists I know. And they're just like paired up. And together, it's like a superpower. Like, you know, the, the cutter is so hardcore. You know, I'll use like a Sassoon cutter as an example for precision cutting in the extreme. They're so into that haircut that they just can't wait to get to the next haircut. And then you've got the colorist who also has a spectacular level of expertise. And I, I just see that in, in it as a category in and of itself that's a little different than than perhaps some. Yeah. I mean, I think in that, like you look at some of these like Instagram duos, you see like, I mean, a lot of them are like killing it, but you know, they're really sitting down and planning that out together. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Um, but you know, for someone like me who, uh, you know, came up, my first salon was just me. It was, I had a 500 square foot salon and um, I didn't really have I didn't have the the luxury of of departmentalizing. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. You know, I had to put on the whole show, including the front desk, inventory, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> well, welcome to life as an entrepreneurial hairdresser. You know, it, it, old school and today. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to be truly independent, there's a lot to, to do, a lot to learn. But uh, it's an interesting opportunity, and look where it's taken you. Yeah, of course. I was building something new that didn't really exist in my area. So, I mean, that was the only way through. I do tell people now though, like, like, oh my, like the, and I, I'm supportive of our industry and of even what would maybe consider a competitor in my city, because I think there's a salon for everyone. There's a hairstylist for everyone, even in the same category. But um, because of this like interest in niches or, or specialization, um, I, I can't believe how many like curl salons there are mm -hmm. uh, in my yes. town now. And I do want to say this to young people. If there's someone already doing it and they're doing it well, and it's a happy work environment um, and you don't have like a new way, um, why put yourself through the stress of that? 
um, because you actually it, 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 running your own business and doing that is actually very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something nice about uh, going and working for someone who's already figured it out. Mm-hmm. If they're a good owner and boss yep. and uh, and uh, not having all those expenses and, and really being able to go into work every day and enjoy your job and go home. <laughs> well, especially to your point, if you're younger, I, I'll just add for context that what we know is that that first three to five years is very difficult for everybody. That the 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 the, the dropout of the business rate is almost eighty percent. So it's it's a tough time. And what many of us believe, who kind of see the numbers, we don't have really clear data on this, is that the numbers are even harder in the independent market. That people who are not part of a team in that early early time of career, it's just it's just easier to fall out. You know, so I think you bring up a really, really good point. Um, learn as much as you can from the people around you who've, who've already kind of made the mistakes to your point and, and, and then maybe go out on your own, but get that yeah, knowledge being, base first. Being a part of a team is an amazing, fun thing. I mean, I still, I still remember my first salon and how fun it was um, and the friendships that I built there. And, you know, even, you know, almost 40 years old, I am still... I still want that in my in my salon life. Like I'm still trying to recreate that. Like don't miss that. And you know, it's not just young people start people start this career at every age. So I guess we should probably say people starting out. Um like don't forget how amazing it is to to be a part of a community. Um you know, I work in my salon in Columbus and then I have a suite here in San Diego. Um and they both have their benefits, but I, I really miss salon life uh, when I'm here by myself. You know, yeah, no, don't I miss that opportunity to, I mean, even just the, you know, the break room talk. I mean, I mean, hairdressers can be wildly inappropriate. And like, it's just, I mean, most of us should be stand up comedians as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you don't want to miss that in your career. You mean wildly inappropriate in the best of all ways. Yes. <laughs> Behind the break room door. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We've all had those moments, though, where where we think we're in private and there's a client sitting right around. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. So, so last question is it is it, this is a short form podcast. Um, so last question is, is it are you ever too experienced to, to go out there and, and, and build your niche? You've been doing it for 20 years. You've been in a generalist space, but you kind of are leaning maybe to one. You've all of a sudden seen Evan Joseph. You've had a passion for curl, but you just haven't specialized yet. Is it too late? No, it's never too late. It's never too late. And, you know, that's the thing we are learn as we get older. Is it's mm-hmm. never too late. And you have another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. <laughs> um, you can reinvent yourself a million times. Um, you know, you're you're actually better to do it when you have more experience um, because you have more tools, you have more experiences to pull from um, to really to really excel and and be a star. So no, it's never too late. Um, I do, you know, you see that so often. Um, and you know, I'm from a small town, like small town hair salons, or you know, middle America hair salons where we're from. Um, people really get into that hamster wheel of hairdressing um, and they're so talented and they could be making so much more money. That's not what it's all about, but it, this is a job. Um, and that is one of the things that I see all the time that, that 
it can be kind of sad, right? It's like, you're so talented. Yes, you can do this. You don't have to be some young or glamorous um, Instagram personality to to grab a hold of things and and take control and and make a big difference in your life. Like you don't have to be that. Um, we we make ourselves look that way online. We aren't born that way. <laughs> yeah, no, real, really good point. And there's close to a million working people in the industry, and there's you know maybe a thousand who who fit that other mold. So so we need to know there's a lot of great everyday working successful hairdressers in salon owners. They're real. They are absolutely real. And they could be earning more money, and they could um, be living a lot happier lives. And and I mean, I love a grind like anybody else, but not grinding so hard you know when they could be doing something that requires uh less responsibility less stress uh less stress on their bodies so yeah if you love something uh lean into it raise your prices and and create a really great life for yourself and i'm sure there's a family you're supporting too love that and love that and that's that's the perfect place to take this conversation to an end joseph <laughs> so let me let me let me kind of wrap up here by saying thank you to the most fabulous evan joseph joseph tell people where to follow you yeah you can follow evan joseph at evan joseph curls um and i always say curl curly care simplified um you know curly care has been so complicated so let's simplify it and make it easier um, so that those people getting those services can be happy. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Thank you again to Evan. To the audience, if you like the podcast, I'd appreciate a like, subscribe, or share. Better yet, leave a review. Visit us over at socialbeautymakers.com to sign up for our free for our free newsletter and for more content and early access to the podcast. Once again, I'm Gordon Miller. Thank you, Joseph Evans, for being with us. I am most excited to bring you guys more good stuff next time.